So firstly, big up for saying yes. I can't actually do this without the Mavericks giving me yes. I'm just a girl who wants to talk to people who think differently. Unless people give me their time, the book or whatever, whatever magic we're going to do with this one, whatever kick-ass stuff we're going to do, ain't going to happen. So first of all, thanks for your time, yeah. Um, the way I look at it is I'm just a messenger, sort of. Um, so first question, I've told you the context, why did you say yes to doing the interview? What made you say yes? Because mm, mm, I really celebrate difference, I love people who think differently. I, I find often in life I'm just bored by people because it's this usual thing. I think about it like, you know, the classic in the box, right? Everybody has a box. And so I'm all about smashing the edges off the box. I am constantly asking the question, how am I limited by the things I believe? And, um, and it's also like, whose programming do I operate by? Yes. So I, was at a, I had a little impromptu dinner party last night and someone was asking the question, that they were, they were just, I was telling some pretty exotic stories. And they were looking at me just like with their jaw open and they're like, you speak different. <laughs> they were literally jammed because they didn't understand the frame that I was existing in. They were like, you make me think. I, I don't know what I'm thinking, but the, I don't know how to process what you're saying, but I'm thinking differently okay. as a result of being with you. And anyway, it was, it was like, it was like, I really, this is amazing. Like, you seem to exist in a different world. I want to be a part of that world. Right. And so when you ask the question um, of interviewing Mavericks in your pursuit to discover uh, how different perspectives achieve in the world and the impact they make, I'm very curious about that. So okay. I thought something positive would lead from that. Oh, Move towards the things that we aspire to have in our life. Okay. How would you define a Maverick? Ah. So we were talking about this. We were talking about this earlier. Um, Mavericks are definitely eccentric. Mavericks are definitely weird to a lot of people, or some percentage of people. But weird doesn't have the proactivity component. So Maverick is like a pioneer of cool. Maverick picks things that that does it, and everybody's like, "Whoa, where are they going?" And uh, and then when they arrive, everybody's like, "Wow, that's cool." Okay. That's okay. how I think about it. Right. Oh, by the way, your job is to make sure this is. Keeps recording because I can't interview you twice. Okay. If it stops recording, that means I can't include you. Okay, deal. Okay. Why do you think you're a maverick? You've just defined what it is. Um, I think uh, our society spends a lot of time programming people not to be mavericks. I think we, we, we program people to follow the rules, see the box, lift the box. Um, I was fortunate enough to be expelled from school in grade six. So before I got into the box, before the box was firmly constructed, I snuck out the side of it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I think also um, I love learning. I'm super curious. So part of my strategy in life has been to discover the things on the edge of knowledge. And I read so many books, as you saw earlier. Yeah, love it. I mean, like... There are other Mavericks out there, and to read about their life just expands the box. I'm reading a book by, um, I think it's called The Brothers of Wichita, the, the Coke Brothers. Um, the father started Coke Industries, okay. which is the second largest privately owned company in the United States, $119 billion. There are some interesting thoughts that run in that family around what leadership means and how to take a dominant position in industry. And because I read that book, I'm different. 
Yes. Um, no education is ever wasted. Mm. The London School of Economics actually developed a Mavericism scale. I'm going to give you seven statements, and you just need to say true, false, can't decide. How about we let her say true, false? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we agree. Yeah. You, you just nod or disagree or go, yeah. duh, duh. right? Okay. People tell me that I'm a maverick or words to that effect. Yes. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. Yes. <laughs> Directly or indirectly? Does that count the people around me? Uh, I'm just, I'm yes. just I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. Yes. I'm much more productive than other people. Yes. <laughs> Quote, how do you get all that done in so little time? What you do in a month is what people do in a decade. I yes. have very unusual talent. Absolutely. Um, one of them is not making Hawaiian shirts look cool. I'm just that. I am generally underestimated by people. Um... Well, I think when I show up at these trade shows, people are like, who's this young kid? Yeah, so... People who haven't met you, yeah. Yeah, I show up, and then they're like, yeah, so yes. Okay. But very quickly, I change that. I do things differently and better than most people in our work. Yes. Does that sound arrogant? <laughs> no, it's, um, you're not arrogant, you see. Um, Some people have gave you a definition of arrogance, yeah? Arrogance, uh, it's only arrogance if you can't deliver. Hey, I love it. Oh, that's good. James I Bond never write that one down. James yeah. Bond walks into a room, right? Nobody ever says he's stuck up. They, t they know he's going to kick ass and save the planet. Yeah. That's not arrogance. Love it. That's delivery. <laughs> Let's quote um, that. Or that's let me, good. Let me phrase that. You can't quote it. I've copyrighted it. Um, we'll adjust it. Um, why do you do things differently, Steve? Why? Yeah. Uh, it's just really fun. Okay. Life is fun. Yeah, I love it. Can you give me an example? You know, it's, it's, it's Sorry, actually twofold. It's fun and it's curious because um, I always want to know what's over there. Yeah. And so walking on the trail, it's always like, what's over there? What's, what's it like over there? I'm just really curious. Yes. Oh, this is exciting. Why do you, um, can you give me an example of what you do differently and how? So just one example. Um, so say, for example, in the business world. Yeah, okay. So, so I think a lot of people strive towards making something happen. Mm -hmm. mm, at my best, I see things as already happened. Okay. I think of time as nonlinear. I think of, uh, which is my experience, and that's a whole other story, but I've had the fortune of mm, spending time with spiritual leaders and mystics and trainers and former CIA spy warfare programs and and so I've had this experience of the non-local and um, and I understand that time is non-linear to some degree to the degree to which I experience it has been less than other people which I've met but I just believe as soon as we decide something it's already happened and as long as we hold that decision for me achievement is more about allowing so what friction in me what how does my ego consist of beliefs that prevent me from having something I just work, how do I change the way I believe about the world to allow things to happen? Okay. And another kind of piece around that is, um, people say I need things a lot. 
And so I'm very conscious of language. People say like, oh, I need to get in and do that. I just say, it's already happening. Like, it's already happened. I just decide. Need is the essence of not having. Yeah, there's not much we actually need. Maslow's hierarchy says it all. But I mean like, I mean like, I need you to hear what I'm saying. I just assume someone's already heard what I'm saying. Or, I need a new car. The car's already on order. I, I don't have to place yeah. it. It's already placed. I yeah. just decided it's coming. It's coming. It's just, yeah. that's it. Okay. Okay. Is what you do equated with the bottom line or something else? That's probably the hardest part about running a business is I don't really care about money. Excellent. Right, next. It's okay. You don't have to care about money. Um, is any part of being a maverick to do with autonomy over your life? I actually am a fan of being told what to do all the time by everybody. That's not true. <laughs> but I'm a fan of listening. Okay, so so I'm just going to ask that question again. Yeah, is any part of being a maverick to do with autonomy, so control over the way you get to live your day to day life? Um, I I would say my commitment and resolution to controlling every single element of my known and unknown world is greater than most people I meet. Okay. Just to but but to the condition to that is that uh, there is a weird paradox between control and listening, because control is an ego driven sort of concept for most people, uh, but for me it's more like. It's more like an allowing concept. So for me, it's listen to my heart deeply and surrender to it, mm -hmm. and then allow everything to unfold. Okay. And so I control the world through surrender. Mm -hmm. Does doing things differently require certain skills, talents, or mindsets? And if so, what are they? Uh, I say at work, unreasonably unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So somebody else I interviewed said, um, extraordinarily ordinary. Don't be ordinary, be extraordinary. Interesting. So reasonably unreasonable for me is, is what was your question again? The question was, does doing things differently require certain skills, talents, or mindsets? And if so, what are they? Yeah, so, so, um, so our company named Zag. Imagine, imagine a, a herd of zebras running off into some place with no water, which is kind of like our society. And then imagine there's a smart pack and the zebras are like, we're going to do something different. And they break off, they zag off in a different direction. So that all started with an idea. It's right. like, um, what's his name's talk on how to start a movement on the TED Talk. Oh, yeah. Um, the requirement is first to, I see it's first confidence. So, so whether we generate it from our mind or whether we generate it from our heart or a higher power, we envision something that's different. And then it comes to the ability to communicate the benefits of that vision or the excitement of that vision through energy or words that draw people into it to gather momentum to move in that direction. Okay. So reasonably unreasonable is the unreasonable destination for everybody that you're with. There's this direction over here. Right. And then the, the skill is in learning how to com communicate the reason of that direction. Okay. And people say, wow, that's a better place. There's more water over there. Or... It's a little bit like Simon Sinek's start with why. Sure, yeah. yeah. What are the 
challenges to being around group? Um, I would say, so, so we started a conversation today with impossible, nothing is impossible. Yeah. One of our core values in our business is impossible is possible. Mm-hmm. And this percolated up because we have spent so much time with people that just can't get there. They just live in impossible. Everybody has this edge that they get to and they're afraid. Fear, fear prevents them from walking past their limitations. So impossible is possible is people that continually dive for the touchdown of yeah. impossibility. They just strive in. And the biggest challenge is finding people with that mindset. Finding people that, that either are in the box and will just do a big spinning kung fu kick to kick the wall off every yeah. time they find a wall. Or they just evaporate the box. They're like, next. So I just happen to be sitting beside one who <laughs> makes me ten times better every day. Mm-hmm. Or you find people who just don't have a box. Right. We all have a box, though. We all have a box. We all have a shadow. <laughs> I know a course that'll help you find it. <laughs> you might wail like a baby. <laughs> like I said, you haven't read my mom. Spiritual. Um, what's been the lowest point of your journey as a maverick? If you ask me at night after a long day of doing a bunch of things I don't like, like talking with people that live in boxes, yeah. <laughs> I would probably be able to find an answer for you. But in the morning, it's very hard. Okay. I actually don't think of a low point. Everything is a road. Yeah. It's like we, we think of low points, but the low points are just as great as the high points. And I really... I think when I was diagnosed with terminal cancer mm-hmm. at 24... Um, I had lived this life of total mind obsession and a drive to be a hungry ghost drive of success for me to have self-worth by achieving. Mm. It was empty. It couldn't eat. It couldn't be fulfilled. It couldn't be full. And, um, and I knew my life was destructive, but then at this point when it was all over, where there was no solution, I had totally fucked things up. It was probably a low point. It was like, I fucking did this. And now there's no way out. And it it took me a couple days or, I don't know, maybe a couple hours, some short period of time. And then I was like, no, that's just the box. So then it was, let's cure cancer. So there was a period of time where it was, oh my gosh. It was actually a bathtub. I went to a conference. Oh, yeah, 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 I know what it is. I went to a conference somewhere in California and the EA I had at the time put me in the shittiest hotel I'd ever seen. Um, the dumpiest motel would probably be a more accurate <laughs> quote for the book. Um, I swear there were cockroaches in this place. And I wanted to have a bath. And I was sitting in the bathtub and it was like a rotten bathtub. There was like mold all around and stuff. And I was reading this paper about the survival of my type of cancer. And it basically looked like a cliff that crashed. And there were all these smashed bodies at the bottom. And I had this like insight and I started to cry about like how difficult that position was to figure out how to get out of. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Just so you know, I only started off with about 10 questions. A lot of these questions actually came from your Mavericks. Oh, nice. Um, what aspects of your personality or character influence your Maverick approach? Like I've interviewed introverted Mavericks. So I'm a hybrid. 
what elements of my personality. Um, so I did Landmark recently, and they talk about strong suits. And so one of the strong suits that emerged when I was expelled from school in grade six was difference. I actually felt that I couldn't keep up with the learning of the school kids. I didn't know what they were learning. So I decided I would learn everything different and cooler and more powerful, and that knowledge would become my instrument of success okay. or love. So I associated knowledge with okay. love. So like a, an insatiable desire to learn and to find things that no one else knows. Gotcha. Are you born or bred a maverick? Don't know. Ask me after I figure out this past life thing. Okay. I've never had a past life experience, but maybe I could learn something if that were true. Do you believe in past lives? My family's Hindu. <laughs> so they do? Reincarnation. Yeah, it's all part that's of the so huge, yeah. Interesting. Um, like I said, you ain't met my mother. I grew up in that house. Um, Businessman, maverick, dad, spiritual, then mum. So. I think generally, to answer your question, are mavericks born or bred? I think they're more bred. I think things happen to people. I think... Okay. I think the most beautiful elements of life are the darkest elements of life. I think when the lightning bolt hits and zaps us and there's smoke everywhere and we're just like spiraling around and we wonder if it's the last few moments, whether it's just emotional or it's physical or it's real, um, I think we have two choices. Mm -hmm. We can take that perspective and wallow in it for the rest of our time or we can somehow pull ourselves out of that dark well and come out and then and then we have another choice which is how do we share that with the world so yes. come out and say hey there's people down there we got to get them out yeah. or like hey beware of the well let me share with you my story yes. so the brightest lights come from the darkest valleys you know how my mom explained this to me once you're gonna love this yeah she said that if you place a lit candle in a well-lit room, you don't see the light. But if you put a lit candle in Love a it. dark room, then look how much it lights up that well. Love it. And my mum brought me up on stuff like that. So it, it was just a really good way for me to understand that how the pain side is what um, the angst people go through is the thing that makes them a richer human being. It's, it's kind of like those types of mm -hmm. elements. So do you think your childhood in any way impacted on you being a maverick today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the separated in education part and the, um, the lonely part. Not having any friends to play with. Only child living across the school. Couldn't play at school. Okay. So I was okay. like, I was just lonely all day. I'd stay up and watch TV all night. And then I'd sleep all day. So I didn't have to listen to the kids play outside the window. And so that fueled me to want to be successful. Okay. Until I got sick, and then I changed my fuel. How is your enthusiasm and drive and energy related to being a maverick? <laughs> what would you say? You're definitely not low energy only sometimes. Um, yeah, I would say you're high energy, and then if it's something that means something to you, you're relentless in the amount of time you'll give up to figure it out or make it happen. Mm. I climbed Aconcagua, which is the stone sentinel in the Andes. It's the tallest mountain in the world aside the Himalayas. 
And at base camp, when I was there, there was crazy winds. On the summit, there was like 150 an hour to 200 mile an hour winds. The jet stream touched down. We couldn't summit, so we are stuck at base camp for a while. But it was crazy wind. The wind was so strong that uh, you could literally lean into it on a 45 degree angle. And it would hold you up. Oh, wow. That'd be so much fun. Stop. But it was Isn't that like, not free-falling? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Like, literally, I was concerned it might blow me away. It was so strong. And, and like, you had to, on the summit, when we were going up, you had to, like, go right down like this. And, and on Everest, we had the same thing. And you had to go like this and get your crampons in because there was an ice glacier. Yeah. And you hook in and you're like this. And it's like... Whoa! So... So your question about how does energy and enthusiasm relate is I constantly live life on 45 degrees forward. Gotcha. So the experience, the, the experience is that, that people are like, am I going to move forward, right? People walk forward, people run forward, people like crawl forward, whatever, right? There's these energies. And so... Um, I just let gravity pull. This is the letting it happen thing. Yeah, like heart, yeah. direction, surrender, lean into yeah. it. It's like the trust exercise with couple leaning back. Yeah. But it's leaning forward. And it's constantly that feeling of like, oh my God, am I going to hit the ground? Okay. But somehow it all holds up. It all holds together. Just the trust, the belief in the end result. Okay. How do you see rules? How do I see rules? Yeah. <sighs> He loves the third. <laughs> I either don't see rules. Okay. Or I see them as like candy. Okay. <laughs> They're just like, it's like, oh, that's going to be yummy to break that rule. I okay. just, it's, it's fulfilling to, to figure out how to avoid or move rules. But I do like following the law, quote, end quote. Okay. Actually, I like writing law better than following law. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business or was there a particular trigger that you did things the non-maverick way and something happened? And I don't know. I can't remember much before five, but yeah, it started. I think the story was... So there's this funny story that goes around at my dining room table. Okay. I have a nickname in the family called Bam Bam. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. My nickname is Bam Bam. Because I was a kid, and I ran before I walked, and I was apparently at this family gathering, and there was this big rock in the yard, and I like got up, and I ran down the yard, and I hit the rock, and the rock knocked me over, and I was so mad, like I would, a kid would normally cry, I stood up, and I banged the rock, no shit, like a big rock, they tell the story, and the rock cracked in two, not kidding, they tell the story, that they're like... They're like, you would never believe it. It was yeah. unbelievable. It was like Zeus came out of this little kid and smashed this rock in the yard. She doesn't believe it, see? That's what, no, really. I can see you doing that, but the rock breaking, I need to see the actual rock. So that's the earliest memory that I know or I've heard. Okay. It sounded like some phenomenal power inside came out of this little kid, just like, bam, rock in my way. Okay. Smashed it. I'll get it completely. Um, bam, bam. Now, are you this always a maverick? Or do you choose to be so at times? Like, for example, you're doing an interview. You know, I've just told you you're number 83. You can be as well as you But tomorrow you might be doing a business gig with some people who um, you think, you know, I'm not sure they're going to handle the mother side. I need to 
Uh, I can't resist. I love it. Okay. It's really hard not to. I can tone it down a little bit, but okay. it's really hard not to be. I find meditation helps me. There are certain audiences where, like, like Goldman has awareness and control, emotional awareness and control in his concept of EQ. So I find as I mature, I used to not have any awareness, and now I have quite a bit of awareness. I can see how people react, yeah. and I'm able to leverage more control. So I'll blend in, but I don't find it fulfilling. Okay. That's the part of my job I feel least fulfilling. Yeah. And when you're doing this leveling up and down of your maverickism level, is that a conscious or unconscious decision? Um, I would say it's usually uh, conscious. Okay. But um, with the more practice, it becomes unconscious. Okay. There's this kind of model I follow for learning. Um, unconscious incompetence. Yeah. Um, conscious incompetence. Yeah. yeah. How do you know about that? I've got a master's in innovation. And oh, no love it. Is, no problem. High fives again. This. Yeah. yeah. Up to yeah. unconscious competence. What you have to remember is for the last three years, I've done nothing but explore innovation, delivering innovation, creative writing, the psychology of innovation. Mm. So. This is just one one thing of what I do is this. Somehow we must do something together. <laughs> like oh no, there's no somehow. We are going to do something together. Love we it. just haven't decided what it is. Love it. You're excited. allow it to happen. You're really exciting. Oh, you don't know me yet. <laughs> um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Um, I suppose it's kind of like surfing big waves versus small waves. Mm -hmm. You surf a small wave, you miss it, you just swim back into the beach. You surf a big wave, you're underwater for eight minutes. Yeah. You better be able to hold your breath. Or, or you're on it. Like, really, it's, you surf a big wave, I think a better way of saying this is you, you surf a big wave you better be fucking clear on how you got to show up in your yeah. destination every single minute. The bigger the wave, the more focused in belief. Uh, I ride motorcycles. Going into the turn, look lean, believe. Yeah. So it's like you are clear on where you're going. Yeah. You are leaning into it. You're committed to this wave. Yeah. And you believe that you will hold it with all elements of your being. Okay. Can't play the big waves without that. Otherwise, you better be able to hold your fucking breath. Yes. Yeah. Have you watched Chasing Mavericks? No, but that's um, good. about waves. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. The waves called. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Um, some another maverick told me about it, so I watched it. Um, has Asian experience altered your maverick approach? And if so, how have you grown? Has what? Age and experience. It's funny. I think a lot about that question ten years from now. I think, what will I say to myself 10 years from now? Apparently, you can send messages back. If you encounter an, experience, an emotional experience, you just kind of concentrate on sending it back, and you make, create a little time loop messaging. Yeah. Sounds crazy, but... Letters to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. An answer for your question. Um, when I first started, it was really about mind and about achieve and about effort. I imagined um, 
I imagined like I was a bore machine through the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like... Actually, I think when I first started my career, I thought I was like a kung fu fighter. Like, like Bruce Lee just in some enemy camp kicking mm-hmm. everybody's ass. And I had to fight and struggle with it all. Mm-hmm. And then I evolved into seeing myself like a bore machine doing the channel. Mm-hmm. It just keeps going and it just like its will of the future just mm-hmm. creates. And now it's more like just like just ding from some higher place. The platforms just rise out of the ocean or the ocean just develops a consistency that allows walking on it or it parts or whatever the metaphor okay. is. However, thought for you, if you look at all the quotes that Bruce Lee says, there's no difference between where you're at today. You just saw the other side of Bruce Lee. Tell me again. <laughs> Help me understand. Help you understand. You're saying that's what you were like and this is what you're like now. Yeah. However, if you look on Facebook and all the different quotes that people put up about the Zen side of Bruce Lee and the centering side and the channeling side, that's no different to the Steve that's here today. Yeah, he's the same. That was it's his model, right? Person. Yeah. But he had hundreds. Mm. He has. I've, it never fails to amaze me when somebody puts up a Bruce Lee quote and I thought, I just thought he was there for kick ass. But, you know, kick ass comes. He through. was just like flow, but, like yes, well through. Yeah. But there's a whole spiritual side. Interesting. Here. So Goosebumps. just, Love just, it. just um, Google Bruce Lee quotes. Okay. And then see if there was a different connect from before or the connect was always there that you just didn't see. I love it. Sorry, I coach for a living. I'm a business coach. so Interesting. Right, so I'm focusing on this. Can you see? I'm, it's like yeah. My, my, it's like, what was it? I was speaking to um, Greg Malpas of Traction On Demand. Oh, yeah, I know Greg, yeah. Yeah. And he's I, a smart guy, huh? Yeah, I know he's a smart guy. I interviewed him about three weeks ago. He was interview number... He was 78. So yeah, I was um, talking to him and he was saying about, you know, he wakes up and he knows what he's got to do today. My mission today is to get this interview on lockdown. Everything else is out the window. So hence, keep focusing. Even though I've got hundreds of things that I want to share with you. What aspects of your business are you most maverick in? Remember I'm writing a book on business mavericks. What in your company do you do totally different to anybody else you know? Most maverick. So... I'm just thinking about what I want to be quoted on. <laughs> oh, you won't decide what you get quoted on. That's why I'm not saying it. <laughs> I, what by I, the way, I think I've already got your quote. Very, uh, we're, navigating, um, we're navigating a regulatory infrastructure that limits our expression of way of being in the world. Okay. So, um, the, as Andrew Weil would say, the desire for the altered state is, is innate as eating or procreation. We all want altered state. On a daily basis, we all get high in some way. We say high, it's controversial, but we drink coffee, we have a glass of wine. We do this. We meditate, we do this, sure. People use pharmaceuticals. You're very hard pressed to find 
people in society that do not use a psychoactive substance okay. in some way. And these psychoactive substances are a core part, they're a modifier on the expression of humanity on this planet. Does this make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. So, uh, we have a vision to bring, to bring new modifiers to our expression to the yes. planet. And the regulatory infrastructure does not allow this. And so I am pioneering in a place where my head could be chopped off at any moment because the stakes are high. We're yeah. talking about a trillion dollars of market cap that pushes back. We have alcohol lobby, $350 billion. Pharma, like in our categories, $300 billion. It's not in the interest of your competition for you to be successful. Exactly. And so I envision this place are products like Zen. We make these functional little drinks. You drink it. And uh, one of our products is like the antidote to ego. So when we live in a place where our ego has consumed our way of being, we drink this thing. It's somehow, we only know a part of the mechanism of action, but somehow there's a noticeable impact on the release of fear. Like it lets fear evaporate. And so what does our life look like without fear? It's, and it's not like the crazy stuff you would do if you could do anything where you would hurt people because it's also an absence of anger. Yes. So absence of shame, anger, fear, guilt. greed, guilt, these things disappear and you just have conscious, a conscious being mm -hmm. that's present and peaceful and open to a state of joy or love. So I envision bringing these substances into our culture and to allow people to interact differently. And we're working on food concept locations. We opened our first one in January where we serve this, a non-alcoholic bar that still provides an altered state, but to a desire that's more consciousness and wanting to connect with fellow humans that creates an empathetic experience, which my hope is will raise our, quote, consciousness, raise our level of being to be more open to uh, basically saving the world. Yeah. Completely buy it. Um, I, I want to be at the opening. My boyfriend's teetotal. I've been looking for a place to take him. Love mm -hmm. it. We can make Seriously, that happen. He's never drank in his life. Love it. Um, I don't drink alcohol either. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on strike from alcohol. See the little sign up there on the wall? Yeah. I, I, I don't drink alcohol anywhere because I believe that there are more effective ways of doing things. Do we have to leave in 25? Yeah. Why don't we do this? Let's whisk through the interview. Okay. And I'll come and have a non-alcoholic beverage with you. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. We could totally. We could totally. I would I love to have a dinner with you. Curry. Be love fun. it. Yeah. Okay. Deal. <laughs> dinner for curry. This way, because you know, I've got to focus on this. You've yeah. got to head off. Okay. And like, you're now one of my maverick family, so there's no getting away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and love then it. we'll have a conversation about what I'm going to do with this. We could have a maverick yeah. dinner too. We could have a small one. We could test run. Always game. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> What aspects of your business are you least mavericking? Mm. I find a challenge in my relationship to people okay. because my heart cares about people. Mm -hmm. I care about their well-being and their peace. But as a visionary, I prioritize the vision. Mm -hmm. And I just fly there. And some people fall off the airplane. Okay. Some people fall out the side of the school bus or the back maverick. of the school bus. That's still maverick. The well, question I guess, is, what, do you, what, is, what, do you what am do I least? That you're least maverick in. That you're not doing differently. So, like, about the business process? Well, so, so like, my answer to that is that 
I sometimes slow down for people. Right, okay. Which I, I don't think, in the true spirit of Maverick, mm. it's a very tough call. Like, you've got to be at the destination with others. You can't move faster than everybody, otherwise you get there and you're like, where is everybody? Okay. <laughs> so I slow down, but sometimes maybe too much. Okay. It's tough, isn't it? Should I tell you what the top answer was? Sure. Tax and finance. That's what I say. I was like, payroll, like that's really, we don't do much. I don't do that though. Yeah. Well, that's an aspect of our <laughs> business that's not different. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm, okay. I'm kind of abstract. Right. Okay. We have I've a kind door. of seen elements of this already. But my question is, how do you balance being a maverick with home life? What's home life? No, I don't. Okay. I, I have zo no balance. Okay. I'm a maverick in everything I do. That's fine. That's fine. Is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Yes, I think part of the legacy I want to leave is about possibility. Okay. If people were to describe me as a person who set out to do any, to, on the belief that anything is possible and establish that to be true, mm -hmm. if I were an example that anything was possible, that would be part of my legacy that I would like, like to, okay. to really establish that beyond any doubt. Well, uh, that's one of the things I want to get across with this work. This is what people can do. Mm, okay. Fun. How much of, if anything, of being a ma maverick is related to give back? Mm. I think the, the give back, so if we had like an X and Y axis, there would be a correlation between joy happy, and happiness in life, which we would say also relates to health, um, and the factor of give back on, on being a maverick. So mavericks don't need to be able to give back. But if one is a maverick that doesn't give back, I find the destination is empty from my experience and from others. So I think it's, it's maverick to give back. Okay. And for me, that's everything. When I was 24 and was going to die and had a couple years to live, uh, it was a noticeable change that I was going to dedicate my life to something bigger than me, to service to the world, to make an impact. It started with cure cancer. Yeah. I will cure cancer. And it started as my cancer and then develop the insights, and then bring that to the world. And I'm on that journey. I, within the next year, we will make a massive strive forward to establish how cancer doesn't really exist. And by changing the way we think and feel, cancer just evaporates. You have, what are you saying, like 15? Right, you've got to bang through these. Yeah. Bang through these. Bang through yeah. these, right? Yeah, right. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken in business today? Um, I think like business, like I'm a brand, mm -hmm. so I think the things that I say, whether they relate to revenue or not, are all part of a world vision. So I feel like my biggest risk is what I just said, I announced in front of an audience of a thousand or so people, um, the next year I would shoot a docu-series where I take uh, five or more terminal cancer patients and take them through the journey I had okay. and cure them. How many ventures have, I don't know how long your company has been going. Fifteen. So 15. And how many ventures have you taken in the past five years? So one is this, this is Zag. Mm, like, like business ventures? Mm -hmm. um, so Zag has a number of sub-companies in right. it. So 
Five. Okay. And what would you consider as a characteristic of a successful Not venture? Three. Uh, maybe six or seven, actually. Okay. Rise initiative, adventure. Okay. What are the initiatives? So, no, what... Of the ventures that you've done, yeah, what are the what, are you, what do you consider are the characteristics of a successful venture? Um, successful inspiring vision with um, uh, with translatable path. Okay. Um, uh, core skills on the path, and a esprit de corps that makes it all worthwhile. Like a group of people that are like, there's a spirit. There's a spirit gotcha. to the progress. So of the ventures you told me about, the six or so, yeah. how many of those were successful according to that definition you just gave me? Mm. Mm. Translatable path, three to core. Um, half? So, you think? Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of just starting, so it's hard to. Yeah, like them. what is what is what does progress look like? like yeah. Been a billion dollar enterprise and it's on a hundred million dollar year charity, but it started just in the past two years. Yeah, half. Okay. So I will ask you the question again: What leads to successful execution of a venture? I'm pretty simple. It's just. Clear vision, yeah. unwavering belief. Napoleon Hill got it right. What the mind can conceive and believe shall be. Yeah. It's just, this is where we're going. This is what's happened. It's already happened. Yeah. It's just happening. And that's it. It's just like, if the, if the mind has a conscious construct to hold that as if it has happened. Faith. That's it. Everything else unfolds. Skill moves into place. Technology moves into place. People somehow get drawn in through some kind of energy. They just show up. I used to always want to make things happen. Now I just hold it. Yeah. That's it. It's a bit like that philosophy of that guy who wrote a check for a million bucks to himself, didn't it? It's true. Yeah. And if you believe that happens, it happens. Yeah. I, I am really interested in that edge of faith. You know, we define like... I, I recently trained at... Um, so, like, there's these theories, right, that Jesus, when he was in his missing years, trained at mystery schools. And there are some people that have written about what that might have looked like. Someone told me once that he was being buried in the sand and looking at the stars for two days, watching the cycle of the earth, just looking at the sky, just intently open to it. Um, these kind of experiences that, that, that it was supposed that Jesus had in these missing years. I have been able to train at some schools where there were similar kinds of experience that just okay. destroy what we think of as human. We move to this place beyond all of the limitations that we, we are in. And in these places, someone recently taught me there's a difference between believing and knowing. Mm -hmm. And so if we were trying to quantify the gap between believing and knowing, knowing is where the power shows up, yes. where there is absolutely zero doubt. Like I know that I can just put my foot down on the ground and stand up right now. But I don't necessarily know that I, this table could just start floating. And so I, I believe from my experiences and my interactions that there is a change to make in how we have faith about the construct of the world. And as it applies to business, it's like, I just believe that thing will be created. I just believe those people will love that. I just believe we will, it will tweak, it will grow, it will adapt, and that system will just evolve into that end vision. Things move, reality moves to the faith of the constructor.
completely seen it happen all my life. Mm. What doesn't seem acceptable seems we, you know, you've only got to look at um, anthropology in different cultures. To, that's just what you've just explained. Um, what do you do? The, what do you do that makes the venture successful? What does Steve bring to the table? I say that, the same as the last question. And then where people get stuck, where we just hit a wall, mm -hmm. I bring that and possibilities arise. Okay. People think, oh, Steve's so bright. Like, oh, he can come up with problems where other people can't. It's not that I'm bright, it's just that I believe. And where I have faith, answers come. I can mm -hmm. just listen to whatever the possibilities are. They exist for everybody. In the moments of, of absolute impossibility, mm, the experience of transcendence comes through listening. Mm. The answers are there all the time, and we can only hear if we have faith. Yeah. Boy, that sounds religious, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It sounds spiritual, and there's a difference. Nice. When a venture is unsuccessful, what's the main reason for failure? Uh, one, I doubt it. Mm -hmm. Two, I don't lean far enough forward. Okay. So we think about the metaphor before of leaning into things. Mm -hmm. It's hard to lean into that, right? It's like to lean at 45 means you could hit your face on that pavement. It's scary. It's super scary. So I would say that fear takes over. Okay. When I let fear take over for me, it takes over for others. When it takes over for others, the momentum forward slows. It's a snowball, isn't it? Yeah. And so I think really like the degree to which others can hold faith about the end destination and to operate without the restriction of fear. Okay. How important is team to you as a maverick? Um, not important at all. I don't need anybody to achieve my vision. I just do it on my own because I'm that fucking awesome. That's a sarcastic version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, team is everything. I, I, I am, I am, the people, the adage people say they're, I'm um, successful in spite of myself. I'm totally incompetent at so many things. Mm -hmm. I am only successful through the people that are around me. And I think about like an organization, I say, what's your superpower? Because everybody has a superpower. Sometimes it's just like, you're asking some very poignant questions, mm -hmm. boom, possibility expands from yeah. asking questions. Um, Jenna is like a master organizer and she lives in impossible as possible. So it's like, like whatever we conceive happens because she can organize it to happen and wills it to happen or allows it to happen. Mm, and so for me to be abstract in this painting level, we say like 100,000 feet or 50,000 yeah, feet, yeah. and send down little messages from space and then it organizes on ground station. Right, gotcha. So, so really, team is everything. Engage smart people that live in a similar value space. For me, impossible is possible, is okay. everything. And does being a maverick affect the way you lead? So does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I often realize that um, innovation is not necessarily the friend of profitability. Mm -hmm. So to innovate too much is to destroy profitability, and, and profitability is important in an enterprise. 
So I don't have keys to my own office because I don't want to work too much. Uh, we, we have certain days out of the office, and I travel every quarter for a couple weeks mm -hmm. because the business needs time to be the business. It yeah. needs to develop repetitiveness and, and routine and, and steadiness in its income-generating okay. systems. How and where did you get your permission, Steve, to be in that um, As you said, right at the beginning, at school, you you know they try and put you into know. these boxes. Permission to be a maverick. It's been really when you got your name, Bam Bam. <laughs> It's, it's been really interesting. Honestly, I just seized it. Just like seized it. It's. You said you just seized it. A lot of some people have said, you know, the day I gave it to myself. But some people have said, other people who helped them on their journey to help them see they were a maverick were the ones who gave them permission to be that way. So in your case, who gave permission? We just go back to earliest memories. I remember when I, I remember in elementary school, I'd solve math problems without showing my work. I needed to be, stand out and be a badass. And then I also remember when I came from one school and came to the other. No, it was before that. Yeah. I think I was born with it, actually. <laughs> Maybe to contradict my earlier answer. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really funny because I can see where you're going with it. Right? I'm just going and back I'm, to the earliest memories. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, that's because all you know, Do you know what's really interesting? One of the things, the responses I've been getting is, it's part of my DNA. I was always like this. And then you have a very, and then I have certain people that are going, you know, actually, there's, but out of, I can tell you, out of the 83, if, Two people turned around and went, this happened, and then I decided it was going to be different. Most people can tell you examples from their childhood, or, or the fact that... I mean, the word DNA gets used quite a lot. I was always out of sync with the universe. Um, or the way other people are. Or yeah, the more I listen, the more I feel that there is a purpose. I don't have the religious or spiritual context to define what a purpose means for a life and why a life would have a purpose. I don't understand that. But I feel like I have a purpose, and I feel like I was delivered here for a reason. I've always felt that throughout my life. And I think just now I'm in a place where I can honor that and step into it and totally surrender to it. Yeah. And if that means being a maverick, which it appears to be, then I was born with that purpose. The maverick is a vehicle. Is being a maverick related to creativity and innovation? Steve Curtis, part two. It wasn't recording. <laughs> now it is. Um, ask me one more time. How is creativity and innovation related to being a maverick?
Um, that's a tricky question because they really seem like the same thing. Um, okay. Um, uh, innovation flows from creativity, and creativity is thinking about things differently. So, okay. Um, Maverick is doing things differently. So they all seem like the same thing. To gotcha. Me. Mavericks tend to be learners. What are you a student of? Everything. I, I, I am a student of, of how of figuring out how the world works. Yeah. And then once I've figured out how the world works, finding a new way that it works. I'm okay. constantly looking at cause and effect between everything. And, and existing in a place of reductionism and, and holistic thinking. Okay. Operating from frames of spirituality and science at the same time and at different times. Yeah. Do you draw on other mavericks in any way? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, whenever I find that I have a conventional viewpoint and I know I'm stuck in convention, yeah. I call people who are mavericks. I call okay. mavericks and okay. it's like it's like um it's like some kind of cartoon, kids like cartoon where you're you're like part of the Justice League yeah. and you're getting in trouble and so like Green Lantern and you're like Green Lanterns yeah, come yeah, yeah. so Mavericks are like Green Lanterns and when I need reinforcements all the Green Lanterns show up okay okay is there anyone who's a Maverick that inspires you who jumped into your head um Josh yeah okay. it's one of the reasons I started doing this project as I said to you right at the beginning what do you have to suffer and sacrifice because you're a Maverick if anything Um, I would say that there's an experience of, um, I say that sometimes I dance with loneliness. I think, um, I think there's a viewpoint that I've realized to be very comfortable with myself and to be comfortable with spirit. Like, spirit is alive for me, so, so me and God, you know, there's, there's a comfort level. But mm, I find there's still a part of me that's attached to others, and it's hard to have a frame of reference. When you look at my library shelf there, I live in a very different world than 99.9999999% of the people that I meet. Mm -hmm. They just don't see how things work, and so I tell stories. I get tired of telling stories, though. People, like, it's nice just to live in a world with somebody where we see how things really are, That's to some degree. hopefully what I'm trying to create. Nice. I love it. It's a challenge, but I'll talk to you. Mm -hmm. What motivates you as a maverick? What makes you jump out of bed and say, right, today we're going to go and do this, mate? Mm. Uh, hmm. Um, a couple things. So, so one is curiosity. Mm -hmm. A curiosity about possibility. Um, another is the the peak of Maslow's pyramid, self actualization. There's a deeper level of mm -hmm. awareness and actualization that's available from pushing through frontiers, pushing okay. through fear. Um, there's a concept of making the world a better place. Yeah. Like, what legacy do I leave, and how do I leave mm -hmm. things better? Um, and there's also a, um, a, an element of, of my darkest moments, which we spoke about earlier. From the dark, light just has to emerge. Yeah. 
So, so shining my light to others that are in darkness. Okay. Is any part of being a maverick related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of? Yes. Do you like being a maverick? Yes. Is being a maverick a responsibility or important in any way? Yes. Why? <laughs> How so? Um... Um, I don't fundamentally believe the world exists as duality, but duality is part of the construct that we live in. Yes. And I think in, in duality there is this, this sort of purpose of dark and light, mm -hmm. and I think the old adage is about power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So I think it's kind of like entropy in reverse, power centralizes, the, the power of ego and mind and darkness centralizes to dominate and create tyranny. And so I think Maverick is a natural resistance force. I think we are that which creates equality and freedom. And the absence of the Maverick is, is some kind of Orwellian society. I mean, like, a cool guy for you to interview would be Snowden. Snowden is clearly a fucking Maverick. Like, to risk his entire life to come out on NSA and say, like, Orwellian society is today. It's real. Everything you do is watched and tracked. If you pop up in a way that people don't like, you might just have a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in no, the 70s, we figured out how to make people have heart attacks. If people get assassinated, and it's like, oh, so-and-so got shot. It's yeah. because if they, they, whoever they is, we, yeah. we wanted them to be a visible assassination. Yes. If people just, well, we want people to disappear, they have a heart attack. If they have a car crash, or, you know, there's ways yeah. of engineering yeah. things. yeah. So, so Snowden to come out is like, I will risk my life and be on the run forever yeah. so that people understand what's really happening. Snowden's a maverick. Okay, yes. Without those people, it would be tyranny. Really like the way that you put that. That's a different thing that I haven't come across yet. I'm a maverick! I come up with something different! I know you're a maverick. <laughs> <laughs> on, a scale of, on a scale of one to ten... Ten. How maverick are you? What advice would you give to somebody who feels they're a maverick so that they could be the best possible maverick they could be? Dream big, live bigger. How do you promote and serve other people to be mavericks? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say monkey see, monkey do, but <laughs> that could be insulting. Um, um, no, but not if it was interpreted as in I tried to show them that this is what you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So yeah. I would say, I would say, um, Leave dreamer see, dreamer do. Dreamer see, do. Okay. How do you serve yourself to be a maverick? Lots of space. Okay. Yeah, okay. when I run things too tight, I am in the pattern. When I step out and I just hit a beach for a while and yeah. I like absorb knowledge from books and I connect in. I find the other part is just space to, to pray and connect with spirit. Yep. Get the source signal. What's your biggest ambition right now? Ambition challenge? Uh, in my experience with being diagnosed with terminal cancer and thinking differently, I realized there was this immense amount of possibility to change where I surrendered to ego. Ego basically died and born of it was a new me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I realized that it's possible to change a pattern that creates illness to allow 
health and well-being. And in that process of change, we become more empathetic, joyful, peace, and loving. Yes. And so my biggest ambition is to demonstrate that that thing which the ego wants the most to live, to live, to propagate, um, to roll a Trojan horse in on it and say you can live, but in the process destroy ego and bring people to a greater sense of community and oneness. Okay. On a global scale. Yep, has to be on a global scale. If you could have a superhero power, what would it be? I already have it. Excellent. Two people have said that. What is it? Mmm. <laughs> See and it happens. Yep. You believe and it happens. What do you do for fun? Uh <laughs> Invent question. I, I like. I'm just. I'm always about learning. I find learning the most fun. I also like exhilarating hair straight back experiences. You like adrenaline rushes. Yeah. Yes. Wherever I could die, if it doesn't involve possible death or destruction, <laughs> yeah. physically or metaphorically, I'm not interested. So I push the edge in every way possible, and that's why I find that fun. Okay. What would be one quote that defines you as a maverick? Got some people having around the walls. You've got. I've seen things, but I want to hear it from you. Hmm. I may need to think about that because you, um, you've made some of the token things we say around here that are exciting, like impossible as possible. We've made those kind of. Uh, but is there something that right in your soul, like I had somebody turn around and said, you know, ever since I was a kid, I had this voice in my head that just went, just fucking do it. Okay, I'll give you time to think about your quote. You can hear yeah. me. Final question. What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? Uh, this, is, this is a question that I would recommend. Um, I'm very curious to know what your other mavericks, um, how they would define their sense of spirituality and their relationship with spirit okay. or heart. Like okay. to, to, to maybe segment on both. Like how many people operate off a greater agenda that gener is generated from a place beyond what they can actually connect with all the time. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Let me switch this off. I'm going to tell you something about that question. Tell me.